Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Time for your weekly dose of Wayne's Comics. Welcome to episode 356 of the Wayne's Comics Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. This week, I have a terrific interview with Chris Charlton, who is turning into one of my very favorite storytellers. He's got a lot of wonderful books out, and I came across him in Cincinnati at a recent con there, and I picked up a book of his that I first discovered years ago but never got to follow up on. It's called Black of Heart, and I highly recommend it. And of course, when I talk with him, I also recommend it then. He's got other books that I really enjoy, and that includes Binary Gray, The Dolls, and Open Tree, which are all available at his website, charltonwrites.com. And I really have to highly recommend his stuff. It's just something I've never read before. He always goes in directions that I just don't see where he's going. And for somebody who's read comics as long as I have, that's just a wonderful, terrific find. We talk about how he writes things and how he comes across other creators to work with, as well as other projects he's got coming in the near future. At least I hope so, because I want to read more of his stuff. So I'm sure you're going to enjoy what he has to say. There's a lot to get to. So let's get on with the show. It's great to talk with Chris Charlton, a writer and creator of many interesting stories. Stuff that just floors me when I read them, including Binary Gray, which is wonderful, and the book that I got from you when I saw you at Cincinnati, Black of Heart. You gave me the opportunity to read some other stuff of yours, including The Dolls. And then A Mother's Devotion, which was interesting. That's really interesting. This looks like a two-parter called Open Tree. Just two different, very different stories. I I mean, you know, I love finding things that I haven't seen before. And each one of your books to me is really great. You put a very different spin on everything you're doing. So how's it going, Chris? Uh, well, it's going all right. Thank you very much for uh, your compliments and for taking the time to read my stuff. I really appreciate it. Now I gotta I gotta start with the book that that introduced me to your work, and as I when I saw you at Cincinnati Comics Expo, I saw Black of Heart, which I got the very first issue through my local store. It's not the one I'm going to currently, but it was they would buy stuff and kind of hand it out to people and see if we wanted to buy it. So I got the first issue of Black of Heart, but then I asked them. Some time went by, and I noticed I didn't get any more of it. I said, "Well, what happened? Well, we didn't have enough interest, so we didn't order it." And I went, "Doggone it!" And so I had to go to all these different stores trying to find it, and unfortunately, I never did. I never found them. So when I was going through the Artist Alley at uh, at Cincinnati, 
what in the world was there, but the book I'd been in the back of my mind always thinking, I'm going to find it, I'm going to find it. And there it was in hardcover, Black of Heart. And I was so interested and I was so relieved to see it because, you know, it's been years I've been looking for this bad boy. And I just, I was so glad and I had the whole story too, which was really great. I, when I open the hardcover and I go back, I can see that very first cover with the yellow, the taxi yellow with the, the, the red and the black on it. I remember that cover. And then when I saw yeah. that, I was so stunned, so I was so glad to find it. Of course, I immediately snapped it up and took it back to the, the hotel room and read it. I was floored by it. Like I told you, the next day when I got back, I said, oh, my gosh, that was just a great, great book. So I, I guess we should start talking about that one because that was the one that introduced <laughs> me to your stuff. How would yeah. you describe Black of Heart to people who may not be familiar with it? Well, it's definitely a noir story. Uh, I'm a, a big fan of film noir and so this is sort of a noir uh, serial killer story. So um, it, it sort of has, I think, a, a horror element to it, um, which which kind of helps separate it a little bit. Um, and I usually describe it as uh, Sin City meets Sounds of the Lambs. Mm. Um, it's uh, it's a little gory at times. Um, it's definitely got some some darkness to it. Um, it was <laughs> it was a challenge to write at times. I was like, am I going too far? Um, I really had to to push push myself and and I wanted to um you know as I was writing it I was kind of like you know what would be terrifying to me and I just kind of rolled with that <laughs> so well let me read the paragraphs on the back of the hardcover it says 1949 a depraved serial killer stalks the streets in his yellow taxi dumping the ravaged bodies of random women in the back alleys of New York City Homicide detective Drake Harper is condemned to pick up the pieces, but as the body count rises, Drake's personal life spirals out of control, and no amount of booze can silence the voices of his past. And then it says, an untraceable killer, a detective on the edge, a city that never sleeps. And I was really fascinated by the the, the story of it, because you know in New York City all this stuff would probably be under the uh, under the table. You know they probably wouldn't be worrying about that. But man, it just was a gripping tale for me. And I, like I said, when I read that first issue, I had to find the second one. And you know, it took me a while, but I finally did. So well, thank you. It's 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 kind of one of those things where, um, you know, it's because of the setting and because of the year it takes place. Um, you know, there there weren't forensics and, and things like that, and mm-hmm. uh, random murders were almost impossible to solve. Um, and and that was really fun to play with. Um, and then kind of at the root of it, you're, you're dealing with a story that is ultimately about fathers and relationships with, with fathers. And, um, and I thought that that was really interesting and kind of, you know, brought it home for me, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it's what, six issues? Uh, five five issues, issues. And then the hardback has uh, a seven-page epilogue that wasn't in the original All release. Right. I was glad when I got to that too. That was pretty good stuff. Now I, I, I've got to ask because the the uh, the writing was really good. I mean, fast paced. Did you base like the detective on anybody, or was this kind of a, a, a person you developed in your imagination? How'd that go? No, not really. I mean, um, I I have a lot of exposure to to film noir. Like I said, it's it's just one of the things that I've always kind of been into, and I had been looking for a project to kind of develop in that in that way. Mm-hmm. But no, no one specifically came to mind. I, I guess it was just let's find some some poor schmo and throw him into this terrible disaster of a scenario and and see how he does. Because I'm always fascinated because, you know, most detectives in these kinds of things, 
at least the ones that I've read, have been, you know, superheroic in their ability to do the right thing. And every once in a while they make a mistake, but it's not that there's darkness in them. But you go a different route with with uh, Drake, in the sense that he is there is darkness in him, and he has to kind of combat that while he's also trying to solve this really terrible crime. So I like that about that. Was that intentional, or was that just the way the character developed? How did you come up with that kind of focus to him? Oh, I think it was intentional in the sense that um, you're, you're not only is he kind of cracking under the pressure of not being able to solve this case, and the press is hounding him, and he's, um, he's you know, kind of drowning in this... Uh, um, in this, uh, I don't know, in the, in the wake of, you know, these murders, but also, you know, his, his, uh, marriage is having trouble. Um, and he doesn't really have a safe place to go. You know what I mean? Like, um, I, I kind of, when I think about my life, I sort of divide it up into different things and I have kind of my work life and I have my, my personal life. And then I have my, um, my passion life, which is writing and, and doing those things. And when all three things are kind of in the gutter, it's, it's difficult, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I think it was in book two, you know, they're, they're chasing after this, uh, this guy who stole this lady's purse and, and he really lets him have it. You know, he steps on his throat and he puts his gun in his face and his partner's like, Whoa, you know, he's, he's kind of buckling under that pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, I mean, that was intentional. Um, when I'm writing, though, it, it can be kind of stream of conscious, and, and I just sort of listen to my instinct and, and wherever it takes me. So mm-hmm. I guess a bit of both, maybe. But yeah, well, well, trust your instinct because I really have enjoyed all these good things. I, I do have to ask. I, I, you may have already answered this for me in a sense. Why 1949? Was it because there wasn't a lot of, of DNA testing or any of that kind of stuff back in that time? It required a different set of skills. Is that why I went to well, 1949? Uh, well, it's a bit of both. Um, again, I, I just really like that era, um, and it seems like a good time period for um, something that is going to be sort of a more noir-style detective story. But um, specifically, forty-nine, um, because there were a lot of interesting um, historical incidents that happened, and um, I tried to tie, you know, as many as I could into the actual story. And that's just something that I personally like to do. So I, I did some research on, you know what are the events that happened in New York city and in, in this year and that year. And, um, 49 came up with some pretty interesting stuff. So, um, it's, uh, I think the end of the second issue, um, they're, uh, chasing the killer and they go into the Holland tunnel. Um, and through, you know, the, the high speed chase, um, a side effect of that is, uh, this, truck with these barrels gets kind of rammed into and the barrels fall off and explode. And, um, that's, you know, a dramatization of something that actually happened in 1949, which is this big explosion in the Holland tunnel. And, um, you know, that, that's just interesting to me. Mm -hmm. It's hard to promote something like that. Like, Hey, you could learn something, but it really like for me tying the story together, it's, it's like an anchor to, you know, uh, real life. It's an anchor to history. And, um, and that's something that I did even with binary gray to an extent, but, um, that's just as you know, I, my family is, is full of teachers. So I have science teachers, art teachers, history teachers, and, um, all of those elements, um, are just interesting to me. And if I can tie them in, you know, I try to. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the things you do in the story, and one of the things I always love in a story like this 
is you make it look like we're going to go one direction and then we don't go that way. I don't want to spoil anything in here, but <laughs> there's a thing when I got to it, it was like a pivot of sorts, and I always love when a story does that. I was shocked when I got to it because I was so convinced at that point. So, oh, it's got to be this way. You know, clearly we're going this direction. It's got to be it. When it didn't go that way, I was really pleased with it because, you know, I, I, there's always the phrase that people use. You know, don't give people what they what they want. Give them what they need. And a good story is what <laughs> we need. I don't need. I don't need things to go the, the way I expect. I need right. it to go the way that uh, that engrosses me, and that's what I got in with that. I was really, I just was gripped about the whole thing. Oh, that's great. So, but you'll have to tell me. You'll have to tell me what it is because I'm not. <laughs> I'm not sure what you're talking about, but oh. I can tell you that I definitely try to, you know, not take the the obvious path if I can help it. Okay. Well, I won't spoil it because I think I'd spoil the story if I say what it is. I'll tell you after we get done recording. But I was really fascinated by the the whole move of things. And, and I thought the pacing was really well done. Like I said, the characters really were vibrant to me. So the whole thing to me was this great story that I waited a long time to get to. But, boy, I was really thrilled when I got to it. So I really, really liked that. Oh, I, I did want to mention something, too. I didn't realize it, but I was a Kickstarter supporter of this book. Oh, awesome. Well, my, thanks, man. my name is in the book, and I, I said, you know, this just seems so familiar. I think what happened was I had moved around a little, and so I think my address got lost sometimes, and I think I probably was got some of this stuff coming to me, but I never really got it. But I looked in the in the Kickstarter list, of the, and there's my name there, and I went, yeah, I kind of remembered this book. I kind of remembered <laughs> it, even though I didn't get to read it all the time. I was really, I, I, I love darker crime stories where we don't really know what's possibly going to happen. So yeah. I, I love that stuff. So this Well, that sounds like everything I write. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why I probably like a lot of the of the stuff that you did, but I I, I really love the book. Now, I do have to ask. I want to get on to your other stuff, but when I got to the end of the book, it said there was like a sequel coming. Mhm. See if I can find it real quickly. I, I it's White of Lies. Yeah, Drake Harper's story. Uh, how's that story come along? Are, are, is that still in process? What's going on with that? So um, to be to be totally transparent, um, uh, that was something that I did kind of just for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't really know if if David would be interested in in continuing on. I, I know it was he, typically uh, with his stuff. He does a lot of uh, uh, work for magazines and smaller projects, and um, you know we we had done a couple uh, short things together, and he had done some of the cover work for Binary Gray, but um, something that big, as big as Black Apart, I think, um, kind of exhausted him, and and so I, I did that for myself, but um, actually um, I'm I have started uh, scripting that book now, so oh. um, I know it's like kind of uh, a couple of years after the fact mm-hmm. um but it was kind of, it was one of those things that i didn't know if it would ever happen mm. um i'm a big fan of cliffhangers and i like to leave a cliffhanger even if i don't have anything that's coming mm-hmm. so and david's last name um, is holland yeah, actually david's last name hollenbach. is hollenbach right yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. so how did you um, get him to i wanted to talk about the art because the art is really it fits the tone of the story so well. It's kind of got this craggy, uh, dark, sometimes mysterious look to it that that really fit the story. I mean, how did you get? Yeah. How, how did you and David get involved in it? 
Uh, well, I, I met David through um, a friend of his um, that I met at, at New York Comic Con, and they had done um, a book together where um, there's probably a name for it, and forgive me, uh, but I don't know what it's called. Where you, uh, you know, it's like a shared book. So you read one story and then you flip the book over and there's another story on the other side. And David's uh, was the was the other book. And I was like, oh, man, that's really it's really cool stuff. And um, as I was putting Binary Degree together, um, I had reached out to him um, just to see if he'd be interested in, in doing some cover work. And he sent me <laughs> he sent me some. I'm, a, I'm also a big um I think I just like old things, but I, I'm a, I was always a big Houdini fan, mm-hmm. and um, I actually have one of those old posters that's like you know Houdini with all of the the chains and everything. Um, and what he sent me was what is now the cover for issue one, which is uh, Alex Gray tied up with like Ethernet cables and, and various like computer equipment, and it is straight up that Houdini poster. And I was like, oh my god, this is this is the guy, this is the thing, and uh, it's so. Yeah. We kind of started with that stuff. Um, I did a book called Sleepless. Mm-hmm. Um, that he did a five-page uh, short in, and yeah, and, and I, I had the uh, the story for Black of Heart I was working on, and I, I was like, you know, what do you think? And he was like, yeah, I'm into it. And so it just kind of kind of took off from there. But I guess we kind of started small and, and built up to it a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's great stuff. It's it's it in some ways it has like a photo reference feel to it, like as if it's. He's shooting oh, it's, photos. Very mixed media. Some of it has like a photo collage. Some of it is is you know ink and paint. I mean, um, he did my my banner that I use at shows, and he actually gave me the original piece, and it's it's heavy. It's like three pounds because there are just layers of things on it, um, and that's you know that's really interesting. He's he's a really honestly like a true artist. Mm. Um, and that's, it's fun to work with, with somebody like that. And, and, uh, I give him, uh, all the credit for this book as far as the, um, just the cinematic feel that it has. I mean, it, it's because of his artwork. I mean, there's no doubt. This, this should be a movie at some point. I really do feel like this ought to be somewhere or maybe on one of the, the, the many crime networks these days. I mean, there's so many of them, even Oxygen, which started up being an, uh, Oprah network now is, yeah. is a crime channel so I'm it's they're always hungry for stories I was thinking man this would make a perfect story for that I would I'm a huge huge cinephile so mm-hmm. um, to have something of mine made into a movie would, would make me very happy mm-hmm. <laughs> well it's good stuff it's uh, black of heart and if you haven't gotten it how do people get a hold of it that's a, an important thing to say right now because uh, I really uh, love the book and I mm-hmm. highly recommend it well, it's available on my site, uh, which is charltonwrites.com, C-H-A-R-L-T-O-N-W-R-I-T-E-S.com. Mm-hmm. And it's also available through uh, the publisher, which is Narrier, that's N-A-R-R-I-E-R.com. Um, and right now, that's it. I think it's going to be up on Amazon soon. Okay. And uh, I'm not sure if it's on Comixology or not. I don't think it is. Okay. But yeah, the the hardback is, I mean, just as speaking as someone who enjoys reading, uh, the hardback is a really nice. Oh uh, yes, oh. It, it's just especially if you're you know you've got a fire going and and you're reading and uh, it's it's I was really happy with how it turned out. It's a beautiful thing. 
Mm-hmm. It's it's I, I love hardcovers myself. Yeah, so I do I, too. When I saw that, I had to get it because I, especially knowing that it was a story that I was interested in reading and getting through, I just had to have the hardcover of it. So it was, <laughs> it's I, I was highly rewarded to get that. It was just it was so worth the, the the picking up and then being able to read it. So just excellent, excellent stuff. I, I, I you know again anybody who has not read this book, Black of Heart. I highly recommend you get out there and get to it because it's it's especially if you like crime stories. This is going to be really good stuff. So now I did want to jump into because you had some other good things you've mentioned a couple of times. And I think we should get into it. Binary Gray. Mm-hmm. Binary Gray is kind of your superheroic. You know, your take kind on superheroes. Of, yeah. Kind of, but, but it's, it's like, but the way my brain works, it's not. You know, it's not really a traditional type of thing, but no. it is. It is sort of my style of a, a superhero story, I guess, mm-hmm. um, and kind of mixed with like a uh, little bit of conspiracy theory stuff. And yeah, I don't know. It's it. I think because I grew up with uh, reading like my uncle's um, '60s and '70s Spider-Man, I, I feel like it has a little bit of that classic like element to it, like mm-hmm. a superhero story. Mm-hmm. But it's also extremely kind of gritty and real and it has sort of that, that turn on it. And it sounds weird. Like just saying that, like the two things really shouldn't go together, but uh, I feel like it works somehow. So mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> well, I think it, I, I liked it because like, like I said, I've read, you know, comics for a long time and I've read many, many superhero stories. And this one surprised me on a lot well, of thanks, things. Man. I just was, <laughs> I was very, very surprised as to how things, you know, moved along and you know the, where we went because this is kind of the evolution of a superhero. We never seen a a hero go from sidelines to where he ends up, and I'm not going to spoil where it ends up because it ends up someplace I didn't expect, which was really good. So I like that. Um, again, how would you describe Binary Gray to somebody who may not have uh, heard of it before? Well, it's about um, a guy named Alex Gray, and he's. Uh, kind of your average IT guy. I mean, that's the job that I've done for 15 years, so it's it's something I'm pretty familiar with. Mm-hmm. And uh, basically through an accident at his work, um, he ends up with um, the ability to communicate with electronics. So um, he goes from struggling day-to-day to solve problems to, you know, touching a computer or, or whatever the case is and, and obviously. Uh, you know, automatically diagnosing it and, and being able to fix it. And so he's not really challenged by that anymore. And his, um, when he was a little kid, um, his, this is sort of the intro to the, to the story. His father was killed in the, uh, the heat of like a superhero battle kind of downtown. So you have already set up that, you know, heroes and villains kind of exist in this world. And he kind of turns his focus there and starts to search for, um, the man who killed his father, um, and kind of by doing so unravels like this, uh, conspiracy or this mystery as to, well, where, uh, his powers came from and, uh, gosh, sort of, uh, <laughs> I'm trying not to spoil anything. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and basically grabs the attention of this kind of shadow agency that's, um, been manipulating super powered individuals throughout, you know, history and, and actually have a little something to do with, you know, why they exist and mm-hmm. um and obviously they see some potential in someone who can control electronics or communicate with electronics and um he sort of goes from looking for them to being on the run from them and um it leads him in a variety of directions so 
The title got me because, you know, his name's Alex Gray, and it's called Binary Gray. And I got a kick because that's, you know, you're referring to his connection with computers by the binary part. So right. I, I really liked it. Now, the first volume has <laughs> six issues in it, and right. I like that one. And then there's a second volume, too, which uh, also has, is that six issues as well? Yeah, 7 through 12 yeah. is in that one. Yeah. So that one, he goes, gosh, you know, you're right. It's hard to describe this book without spoiling stuff, so I don't want to <laughs> spoil stuff. But it's, it's one of those books, as you read along, you know, it just propels you through the, the series. I was just so gripped. I, I, what happened with me with you was I had gotten the first one, and I didn't. I, I, I these days I can't afford to buy everything that I find that I was interested in. So I got one, but sure. you made number two available to me, which I sat and read, and I, I was again I was gripped. I was got, you know, when I when we get to the end of volume two, I am not expecting where that's going. I just don't. And, oh, good. And I just I love when that happens to me. You don't understand. I mean, I've been reading for decades comics and i have met, read many a book where i get down going oh page three okay when we get to the end we're going to here we're going to there and then it's going and i usually get there and i go well i wasted you know however long <laughs> it took to read it because i i could have told you that before i got there it's like TV, right. tv shows drive me nuts with that too you know i used to watch a show by the name of heart to heart and the reason i would watch it was because they were a happily married couple which was yeah. rare on television i mean the stories were dumb as could be, but I would watch it just to watch a happily married couple on the television. But you know, I finally got to the place where I said, "Eh, I can't take it anymore," so I stopped. But you know, with your stuff, I'm always intrigued as to where you're going with it, and I, I love the the way that you did some different things with the superhero genre. You do have some things that allude to superheroes and villains that that are probably still going on today. But I really like the way that you did that. I like the way. Things evolved, shall we say. Again, I don't want to spoil stuff, but he starts in one place and things develop as he goes along. You know, I, again, I don't want to spoil it, but the, uh, and then when you get to the end, that was a big surprise to me. I have to say, when I got oh, thanks, there, man. I was really shocked. Not, not, of course, I got asked now, of course, volume one, volume two, is there a volume three? Oh, no, there's not. Um, there's okay. there's a, a whole thing where, um, this was uh, series was getting picked up by Alterna and, and all that fell through. Mm. Um, but I have several. Well, I shouldn't say several. I have a couple um, more volumes of story that I would like to tell, um, mm. and it goes to some pretty dark places. But mm. um, this is the thing about about comics, and 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 especially when you're when you're making your own books, because this was my my first series, and um, I you know I was kind of learning as I was going, and mm. um, I didn't. Um, I think a lot of people make the mistake of, all right, I wrote issue one, now let's get it out. Uh, and I didn't do that. I had written all 12 issues before I even started looking for an artist. Hmm. And then and that allowed me to go back and, and tie some things together and tighten things up. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm glad I at least had the forethought to do that uh, before like just jumped in. But um, starting um, as an indie creator with a 12-issue series – Maybe not the smartest idea. <laughs> it was well, like, but it was just a huge expense to me, and and also just a, a big undertaking. Um, and it, I'm amazed still that it got you know finished, that it, it completed. With um, I think there was a different colorist on two of the issues. Other than that, it was the same team the whole time, which is really cool. Well, that's rare. No, I have to say yeah, that. that's rare. definitely. I, I have you ever considered like Kickstarter? 
Well, I, I did the I did a Kickstarter for um, for the second issue of Black of Heart when the first okay. one hit. Okay. Um, and it was just to cover the printing costs. Right. Um, and that was you know it was small, but it was successful. I think it was a couple thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. And then um, obviously we did the one for the the hardback, which was really successful. Mm-hmm. Um, but at that time, um, when I was you know putting those books together, it wasn't really something that I had considered. And just to be totally like honest with you. Um, Binary Gray never really found its audience. Um, not like Black of Heart did. Black of Heart mm-hmm. was instantly like people were interested and it was really clear that people were into it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and Binary Gray had a small audience. I definitely saw the same people at shows like, is the new issue out? And, you know, yeah, it is. Um, and mm-hmm. uh, um, But other than that, it never really kind of took off, mm-hmm. unfortunately, because it's a story that I really liked writing and I had a good time working on it. And, um, it's it was fun to to kind of play in that world and mm-hmm. and like I said I, I definitely have more story to tell if I if I ever got the opportunity but mm-hmm. I I don't I don't know how a Kickstarter would go mm-hmm. um, and especially now it almost seems like you know some of the superhero stuff is I don't know waning a little bit maybe mm-hmm. well it's tough because you know it's decades and decades of superhero stories it's hard yeah. to tell something that's not already been covered. Right in that way. Although I, I thought binary gray was it was a, a, a unique way of going about stuff. You know, watching these things develop the way that you well, thanks, did. Well, thanks, man. So I really liked it. But I, you know, I like that's because you know I'd like to see more of it. If so, that's why I brought the Kickstarter thing up. <laughs> I know you did the other one successfully, but I'd still like to see more binary gray if that ever you know the opportunity presents itself. Well, I would like to tell it if if the opportunity came up. So okay, <laughs> maybe. Maybe one day it will. I've definitely got the stories there, and uh, okay. um, they're they're pretty cool. I, I think anyway. <laughs> well, let me hit. I got. I, got the, I want to try to go through the ones you made available to me because I really some of them. I'll, I'll touch on the dolls really quickly. I got that one at, at uh, Cincinnati mm-hmm. as well. That was creepy. That oh, was thanks. So that creeped me <laughs> out. You know, I, I just kind of you know I I I, I again. It, your stories are hard to describe because you know <laughs> if you say something you invariably pull out a, a plot point and then it spoils yeah. it for people so i hate to do that but you know that I, I would just say if you're in the mood for creepy dolls is a thing to do it's a single issue story and it's really good i really liked it and then i was surprised by a book called a mother's devotion that was yeah. actually a short that was in a book called Sleepless. Oh. Um, and I can't remember why other than when I moved, my computer died. But I could not find the full book to send to you. So I just oh. sent you that one short. That's okay. That was a good one. I like that. That was, that was, I was, oh, thanks. again, I get to the end. I'm surprised. I did not <laughs> expect that ending. So, you know, mothers often don't do what this mother does. That's how we say it. <laughs> the best way to describe it. And then I got to, I, I know there's one that I, I know I didn't get the full story. It was called... Dahmer, welcome to Dahmerville. Yeah, which surprised me. I think me. I just sent you. I think I just sent you the pitch for it. Oh, was that what it was? Okay, that was the pitch that I had put together. Yeah, because I get to the end and I'm like, I said, wait a second, that can't be the end. There's no, there's no, <laughs> no. no ending going on there. So I, you know, someday if that ever comes around, I'd love to see the ending to that one. I mean, just the name Dahmerville. That was I, I, the moment I saw that. I said, oh my gosh, because there's been a lot of coverage of him recently, and I've been. And I, I, I was looking at it going, like, I, what, what in the world? But anyway, we'll get yeah, to that. Yeah, I, I love that story, and I, I hope that I, I get the opportunity to uh, to publish it somewhere because it's, okay. it's, a, it's a great series. Well, something. I mean, have you gotten the full whole story, you know, completely put together? Oh, no, no. It's, 
it's written. Um, I, I, I wrote it, uh, last year and, uh, it's five issues. And, um, I did a, a pitch with, uh, Justin Castaneda, mm-hmm. um, and sent it around and really just kind of got nothing. So, oh. um, <laughs> yeah. Darn it. That's you, you the way it your, goes in comics, man. <laughs> you need your own company, doggone it. You need to have your yeah. own uh, comics company so you can put out your stuff. Because, yeah. wow. That's just well, I, that's, the, that's what I did for, for a few years, you know, and um, and basically almost went broke doing it. So oh, I, I loved it, um, mm-hmm. and but I, I just kind of got to the point where it's like, you know, I really want to write. I don't right. necessarily want to handle the the business end right. of this stuff. Right. But um, you know, I, I don't I I don't want kind of want to be that guy who just does Kickstarter for every project yeah, that he does. Yeah, yeah. Um, because I I have so many ideas and so many projects going that that's all that would be all that I did. You know. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, hopefully, uh, you know, uh, I can get a break. I can get a foot in the door somewhere at some point, and. Um, and all this stuff that I've been stockpiling will just uh, start taking off. <laughs> that's my mm-hmm. only, that's my only hope at this point. Okay, okay. Well, you know, I, I hope that all works out because I'd love to see more of this stuff. Getting. Speaking of that, there's a the, the the last one I think that I I'm exposed to is is a book called and There's two issues of Open Tree, mm-hmm. and the two issues are completely different from each other. Yeah, they're both one shots, so mm-hmm. they're 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 meant to be separate. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, the whole concept of, of open tree was that um, each story was a different branch on this tree, and and it was uh, pretty much meant to be, um, you know, like love stories mm-hmm. um, to an extent, and and that can mean a variety of different things. In fact, um, I had considered for a moment making the dolls um, the third open tree oh. uh, book. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, but that was that was kind of the the fun of it. I mean, the first one is sort of like a, a supernatural western. Mm-hmm. Um, the second one is completely different. It's it's like a tall tale where the dialogue and the narration rhymes, and um, it's the only it's actually the only all ages thing I've ever written. So. <laughs> Interesting, because I read them both, and I really loved them both. The, the first one really gripped me, I do have to say. It's it's set in Texas in 1872, and it's got a, a, a basically a cowboy, I guess. It's a guy who's inherited a ranch, and he's struggling to keep it going. And then all of a sudden, one day, he comes across what he thinks is a dead horse. And it's got its leg is like tangled up in like fence stuff. And... From there, it's a big surprise. <laughs> yeah, basically. I am, I am not going to spoil that. I'm, when I read that, I was stunned. I was like, what? How does that happen? <laughs> See, the, the great thing about your stories is you don't necessarily have to explain the how. Yeah. It just is. I mean, we don't need to know the how. I mean, we don't need to know, you know, again, I don't want to spoil <laughs> stuff. I mean, you know, they, they, Let's just say how things go the way they do. But yeah. I just, uh, you know, I was very surprised by it all and then there's a big surprise towards the end of it too which i won't reveal either but uh, let's just let's just say trouble comes and there are uh, is a interesting way that this gets resolved shall we say yeah, yeah it definitely makes it hard for me to pitch a story without yeah um, I'm sure. Without spoiling it, you know, when somebody walks up to your table and like, "Oh, tell me about this book," and I have to be like, "Well," um, and, you know, because you 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 know, I want to sell a book, but mm-hmm. at the same time, if they if I tell them what the story is, then they don't have to buy it, right? right? So right. it's right. a real little you know careful little dance that you have to do. And 
Yeah. Now, it can see, be the, a real challenge sometimes. The second one is a, it's totally different. The first one is in the West. The other one is, has to do with the ocean. Yeah. And, and a guy who gets who loses his the love of his life, and he's something happens to him, and uh, it's a little bit of a biblical feel to it on some levels, but. You know, I I really enjoyed the the the, the, the way it went. Again, you talked about the fact that it's a love story, and mm-hmm. I did enjoy that when it, when we get to the end. You know, when I get to the end of your stories, I'm always surprised. I swear, right. I, I'm sitting there going like, "Oh gosh, you know, that was interesting." So it's let's just say that when you get to the end of this one, it's it, the name of the story is. Let me get it up here, Linus Three: The Fluke of Love. Or is that is that three? It's Linus, and it's Linus and the fluke of love. Okay, so so yeah, yeah. it's, it's uh, yeah. You got different artists for each one of these, right? Yeah, yeah, and and that was sort of what that series was meant to be—a series of one shots that allowed me to play with different genres, uh, work with different artists, and um, you know, and that was kind of the the fun of it. I mean, I, I wanted to do something uh, with love stories because, like I said, a, a love story can be anything. I mean. Natural Born Killers is a love story. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it doesn't mm-hmm. doesn't mean that it's not gritty and violent and terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, you know, it's just it's all about your perspective mm-hmm. and and playing with that perspective and and introducing different genres uh, keeps me from getting bored. And um, you know, it's uh, it's fun to do. So. So you were talking about the dolls might have been Open Tree Number Three, but did you have another Open Tree Number Three in mind? Uh, no, not really. Okay. Um, I mean, I've, I've played with a, around with a couple different ideas. Um, one I was going to do as sort of like a heist story. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, the thing with the dolls was I, I had written it with, um, I had actually, um, well, let me, let me start at the beginning here. There was a book from IDW called, um, uh, into the dark. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a big, um, kind of anthology, uh, series with, you know, all these, top writers and artists and things. And, um, and so they were, they were going to do a, a sequel to it and they had people submit to get your story in. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I submitted that story and I got in the book, mm. um, and the book got canceled. Mm. So I, I had the story. This is like, mm. this is my life, man. Like mm. I, I can't tell you how many times things like that have happened where Thanks. I was like right on the cusp of like getting a foot in the door and then, Oh no, that's not going to happen. So I've been sitting on it for a while and I met uh, Ryan Quackenbush in uh, uh, Phoenix. I went to the Phoenix Comic Con, um, and uh, just a great guy. I love his style. Just, I mean, honestly, one of the the nicest people I've ever met. And um, I had been looking for a project to work on with him, and um, I, I kind of resurrected that. And I was like, well, what do you think about this? And he was into it, and so we, you know, we just kind of put it together and. Uh, it's, I don't want to say it's similar to David's because it's a completely different style, but mm-hmm. neither of them are traditional comic book artists. And um, and I think that's kind of maybe just something that I'm drawn to um, in trying to find the right artist for these different, you know, odd stories that I have. So, mm-hmm. Which is great stuff. I mean, like I said, uh, variety to me is just it's so hard to find. Everything's the same yeah. old stuff. It's just television, movies, I don't care what it is. It's all the same old stuff. Yeah. To me, to be able to find something that surprises me is just like a, a treasure, you know. I just got to have that, you know. I got to find those things. <laughs> and so to me, when I came across your stuff, I was real, real pleased. Now, I wanted to talk about your website. We, we talked a little bit about Charlton Rights, which is one of the more fun websites I've ever read. 
uh, especially well, by, by a writer. I mean, you know, I read all these writers' websites, and it's it's flat. I just never figure it out. But I got to read your description of you a little bit, which is kind of funny okay. to me. It makes it says, by day a mild-mannered IT administrator, and by night a workaholic writer with a taste for the abstract and abnormal, both comedic and violent. <laughs> Fifteen years as a singer helped me develop two key skills, how to get what's in my head onto the page and the rhythm of a story. The rest was practice and the determination to finish what I started. I'm a starving artist with food on the table. I work my day job and pay my bills while telling stories with the hopes of someday working as a full-time writer. I have many twisted tales to tell, and my journey to this point has been a roller coaster of both achievement and disaster. I hope you'll join me to see how it unfolds. Disappointments, heartbreak, sure, but also the joy of creating and the tingle of finishing a new story to share with those who are kind enough to dive into the worlds I've created. And I thought that was a that was a great, you know, a very fun way to describe yourself. I haven't seen anybody do anywhere near that before. Oh. Thanks, so man. That was that, really that's fun. awesome. It was just great for me to see. I I, I love the, the the way that you write to me. I just I hope you do get to be a full time writer at some time because I I would love to be on board getting your stuff because everything I've read of yours just sparkles to me and oh, I want to see more. Thank you of that. so much. That's awesome. I really well, really appreciate you saying that. What you're going to have to do is oh, uh, the question is how do we keep up with you? How do we follow your stuff? Is is it largely at uh, CharltonWrites.com or do you have Facebook? How do you do that? Yeah, um, I'm on Facebook, uh, Instagram, Twitter. Um, I think they're all at Charlton Writes. Um, I want to say that the Twitter one is like Charlton underscore Writes because uh, somebody somebody grabbed that and then never tweeted anything. So it's just sitting there like used, which is really frustrating uh, when you're me. But um, so, yeah. But no, um, Charlton Writes, um, I'm a little behind um, on my, my blog, unfortunately, I, mm-hmm. I was trying to keep it pretty steady for a while there. Um, but uh, you can uh, sign up for my blog, which mm-hmm. tends to be once a month. Um, I don't, uh, you know, I don't spam people or anything like that. I hate that. So I don't do that. So, mm. um, <laughs> but yeah, there's, uh, there's some stuff with writing tips, you know, any general news that I have, if a book's coming out or um, like we won the the space prize for uh, Black of Heart um, and, and things like that, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, pretty much what's going on with me, and occasionally it's like, hey, if you're a writer, maybe you'll like this, you know. Mm-hmm. I've got to ask, of course, what's coming next for you? I mean, we've talked about a couple of things, that, <laughs> projects and stuff. Is there anything you can tell us about that we should keep our eye out for? Oh, there's not a lot that I can actually talk about. Okay. Um, I can tell you that I have five different projects going right now so uh we'll see what lands where um (laughs) one thing i can definitely talk about um which is one of the things i'm working on is uh my first novel so um i'm really excited for that um it's been uh, a challenge at times but uh uh, i've really liked it um Mm. it's just kind of different for me i'm i'm kind of a script writer through and through Mm -hmm. um and i knew it would be a challenge going into it um but i've I've really kind of fallen in love with uh, with that type of writing. So mm-hmm. uh, whether it's good or not, I don't know. We'll find out. It could out. be Let's terrible. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd <laughs> we'll like find to, out eventually. I'd like to, to be able to get to read it. So, uh, I mean, do you have an idea when that's going to hit? Oh, no. Okay. Um, so you're working I, on it. I would say, I mean, if any if anything, it would be next year. Uh, sure. It's it's not, not close to done. 
but okay. um, I am chipping away at it. That's the other well, thing that, uh, you know, writing a, a comic book script is, is fairly rewarding because uh, you can slice it up by issues and you're like, awesome, that issue's done. And then go on to the next issue. And this is like this huge kind of hulking task that um, you can you can chip away at it, but it, you don't get that sense of completion as you do from like finishing issue one or issue two. So it's a, it's a different thing, but um, it's it's a good different, I think. Well, good. Well, I, I wish you success with that because I'd love to read more of your writing. I mean, it's just all your stuff, like I said, sparkles to me. And I just, you know, when I can find something that's new and unique, boy, I am just all about that. I just think that's <laughs> the greatest stuff. And your stuff to me, ever since I, I knew the moment I read that first issue of Black of Heart, I was going to be after that. And it took me a while, but I finally got to it. And I, I hope you do a lot more because, to me, it's just all this stuff is just terrific. And I, I didn't read a single thing of yours that I thought, well, that was just sort of mediocre. No, every one of it got me and and drew me in and pulled me in. And I couldn't wait to get to the last panel to find out what was all the stuff was going on. So, you know, Chris, I wish you much success. I hope you get to do a lot of this good stuff, and I hope I get to see some more of your product, you know, sooner rather than later. Well, thank you so much. I. I... You know, I can't thank you enough for for saying the all those nice things. I mean, it, you know, I, I hope that uh, I get the chance to keep doing this too because it's it's definitely uh, where my passion is, and um, that's uh, sometimes the most important thing in in life. People need dramatic examples to shake them out of apathy, and I can't do that as Bruce Wayne, as a man. I'm flesh and blood. I can be ignored. I can be destroyed. But as a symbol. Get the latest from the comics universe. News, interviews, previews, and reviews. Listen to the weekly Wayne's Comics Podcast so you can keep reading your comics. that's it for this week. Be back next time when you'll hear another great interview with another terrific comics creator. But until then, keep reading your comics.